Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to a very special edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. And I do mean a special edition because when you see us, one, on Nerd Initiative YouTube, you know it's a big deal. Two, if you see we have Zoom hooked up, this is a super big deal. And three, if you see the star-studded panel we have for this, you know it's a super massive big deal. To my right, your left, from the 3FN podcast, you know him also as the co-host of 607TWS, The Wrestling Show. Say hello to Rich. Yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the ODPH Society and also Nerd Initiative. It's awesome. Yes. And to my left, your right, do I even try doing your intro or should I just let you go at it? Coming at you live and direct straight from a folding chair in the ODPH studios. It is I, Off the Cuff Tom. Thank you so much for having me again on Mr. Ken M. It's always a pleasure. It is a super massive pleasure. Yes, indeed. Because one year ago, a book came out that really got fans excited. It made a massive impact. And gave birth to what is comics' most exciting universe. You can debate me all you want about this, but trust me, you will not win because the creativity and the characters coming out from each book in this line is absolutely phenomenal, and it has revolutionized what you think about superhero comics to this day. Since that time, a lot has gone down, and we've seen such great introductions of characters as Rogue Son, Inferno Girl Red, and The Dead Lucky, just to name a few. And this week, almost one year to the date, a little couple weeks here and there, We have been granted a sequel that is of super massive proportion and is one that if you're a comic book fan, you need in your collection ASAP if you don't have it already. Now, I can sit here and show this book all day because I love this universe, but we have some friends on the line that can talk about it just a little more than I can. First off, from the incredible series Rogue Son, writer Ryan Parrott. From the the amazing, dead lucky Melissa Flores. From... Mm -hmm. The astonishing Inferno Girl Red, Matt Groom, and from hey everybody, the amazing, phenomenal franchise of the Massiverse, Radiant Black, and 2023's best new series, no one, Kyle Higgins. And, hey, how's it going? and last but certainly not least, I've been told I need to say Supreme Editor Extraordinaire, Michael Basiddle. Thank Mr. you. Mr. Massiverse himself. Yes, Mr. Massiverse best himself. Beard. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know that I like this. <laughs> <laughs> the beard looks great, Michael. I don't know why. Hey, listen, I'm a fan beard. of beards. It's, it's the rest of it. The beard is fine. Michael, it looks like you have a got like a Jesus light over you. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll turn that off. He's going to part the Red Sea any moment. No, that's better. <laughs> Look at all that glorious follicles Yes, indeed. Well, since last time we spoke, because we have spoken, we've had the honor of speaking to you throughout the past year. Supermassive One comes out last year, gives birth to the Massiverse. How have things changed since now and then? Oh, well, I, I think we, I get less sleep now somehow. <laughs> um, we've confused people apparently with. Um, did, did we actually call it Supermassive One? I thought it was always our intention was always that it was Supermassive and then the year, so Supermassive twenty twenty two and then Supermassive twenty twenty three. But I have seen there's some confusion about like numbering of supermassive one versus supermassive 2023 so um that's different i guess now (laughs) yeah i mean this time last year there was one ongoing book right we had radiant black uh now there is radiant black the dead lucky and rogue sun there's no one there's radiant pink is just wrapping up we've had radiant Mm -hmm. red which wrapped up inferno go red book one has come out Oh boy, we're we're a lot busier than we were this time last year. And there's more that we yeah, we can't actually say out loud yet. It's it's only been a year. It feels like this this universe is aging in dog years. Like holy moly. <laughs> it's amazing. I can't that's just a lot of stuff to do in a year. I I I don't know why I didn't realize it until this moment, but yeah, uh, good lord. Okay. Yeah, you know how tired you are? It's because we work a lot. All that the makes time. sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, to be fair, I, I wasn't, I remember when you guys first pitched me the title Supermassive, I was like lukewarm on it. But then after hearing these guys intro, I'm like super on board with it now. So thanks guys. 
No, <laughs> yeah, thank- they could do that for anything. We could have called it like the hot dog eating power hour and the, <laughs> they'd put the spin on it and would be like, yeah. You no, can make that work. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, it goes to the testament with the, the creativity and the quality that you're doing. I mean, coming out of the pages of Radiant Black, the fan base was already there. And when this book came out for Supermassive Volume 1 or Supermassive 2022, it really got fans talking. And I have to say, like, as a fan of superhero books, this reminds me so much of what you guys are doing of when Image first came out. Because every time there's a number one that comes out, when Rogue Sun did, when Dead Lucky did, Infernal Go Red, every time there's a number one that comes out, I go to our local comic shop, and there is such a buzz and an energy, and everybody is talking about it. And everybody in line is just like just so amped up to get reading it. And then I go online and everybody is just like everywhere you go, if you're on comics, Twitter is just raving about it. And rightfully so. And just like the impact that you all have made with these characters to see it's just been a year is just truly astonishing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's that. a it's a big legacy to live in. Right. I think going all the way back to the starting of image and, and the groundwork that those guys laid and then since then all of the incredible people that have built up the legacy of image all we can do is try and live up to their responsibility and um keep taking big swings and doing cool stuff and making sure that we don't water down what it means to do truly create our own stuff no I, I actually got emotional when you said that like i actually started to get a little teary like i i like i was 14 when image came out i've said this on a lot of calls but it's true and I, and I that was i was primed for image like i followed all of those creators i followed all the original books i bought so many of the number ones that i lost all my money and like i still have and I, I mean i bought the obscure ones like troll number one super patriot like that kind of stuff and so Ooh. like yeah deep cuts right like yeah it's kind of worse but i like i loved those books and to me that the, the thing that i always looked about image was that it was like really the first time that i realized that comic books i, I was followed I, I realized it was like a, a, a job and like that these i loved these artists and i wanted to be like them and so when i followed them it was like mate comic books are more than the heroes at the big two it's all the stuff that they created and it just felt like there was this sort of like raw energy and, and excitement that came around the, every one of those books so the fact that you're comparing our books at all of that is i hope man i hope i hope we're a quarter of ex, as exciting as those books are and like I, it, so like that's amazing and and like my matt said like that's a lot of that's a lot of weight and responsibility and uh some big shoes to fill so it's crazy i i i, I this has all been kind of a dream and i can't believe we get to keep doing this it's really weird it's it's pretty awesome. It's somebody that doesn't have that kind of background in comic books. I got started much later in life. You know, I don't have the the history of comic books, and and, and I I want I have the love for comic books, but it wasn't born you know when I was eight years old reading comic books or fourteen because I just didn't have access to those books at that time. For me, what really made me fall in love with this universe and continues to fall in love with the universe is is the passion uh, that I see for the storytelling from every one of these guys that I'm working with every single time. Like I. Um, I fell uh, platonically in love with Ryan um, one time when we were at Boom together and like we were trying to solve a problem and he just got so excited he jumped up like Tom Cruise and like almost jumped on the table because he was so su- excited about a solve and you know and that I, you I, gave I, me by the way that you gave yeah but I mean it was so your story you know so it, yeah like, but you just skipped over the cool part which is that you fixed it <laughs> <laughs> well you know it, but it's just it's the creativity and and the passion that these guys have or like even listening you know i do a lot of work with kyle and you know we'd be i i don't drink um not because i'm semi-allergic but like we'd be at a hotel bar or an airport bar um doing some crazy project together and like he's just telling me about all these exciting ideas that he had and you know and and michael and matt who you know i first only knew through their podcast you know, I, I started reading their stuff and I just became just as a, as a producer first and then a writer, just humbled and awed by the amount of passion they, ha- they have for telling these stories and telling them uniquely and creatively in an interesting way. And I think it says a lot for, for me, even though I'm in this universe and I'm writing my own book, I am genuinely excited to read Rogue Sun every month and to read, like, I kind of almost don't want to know what they're planning sometimes because mm. I'm just, I love that page turn. Like, I have not asked uh matt what's going to happen with inferno girl red because i don't i genuinely want to read it and find out um and and i think that's 
because we have that level, I think, of, an, of infectious enthusiasm for our projects, um, I hope it bleeds out on the page and I hope that the fans kind of can, can see that love as well. Um, and I think that's part of what makes Massiverse so special. No, absolutely. I, I think it, it definitely resonates off the page, and especially with the one-on-one connections you have with the fans, too. I mean, to think about just the creative stuff that it has come through, like the QR codes for the animated short for Radiant Black, and then you talk about right now the vote for arguably one of the biggest decisions in all the Massiverse with who will be Radiant Black will be... Uh, well, the obvious choice is Team Nathan, and then you know you can vote for Team Marshall if you want. But <laughs> if you want to be wrong, you can vote for Marshall. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But giving fans that option and making your creation so vulnerable and wide open to connect with them on that level—I mean, I think that's one thing that just makes it stand out. That you're giving the audience something so special with just doing things in such a ne- next level thinking. And connecting with on that, that if you're sitting there going like, oh, I'm so used to reading, you know, this story and I got to go read X, Y, and Z to get to the whole picture. You're not, you're not doing that here. It's like you're giving self-contained series, which everybody can just read on their own. They don't need to read everything. But by the time you're done with the series, you want to read somebody else's series in the massive verse and connecting on that level, I think has just been such a big win and giving the fans really just something fresh and exciting to pick up every time at the local comic shop. I mean, that's that's the core essence of the massive verse, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Uh, we all do. Um, you know, a lot of that really comes from kind of a melting pot here, where it, it was cool. Like I got to know Matt and Michael um, really just kind of coincidentally because. I agreed to do a podcast interview on Ranger Danger when I started the book. And that was, I was just taking a flyer on that. And I don't, especially then I I wasn't really doing podcasts. Like I wasn't, I was doing Power Rangers, the book, but like I hadn't had a great experience at DC and was kind of coming out of that. And I just directed a big new short film and trying to figure out how to weaponize it to get my feature going. And I was just in this place of kind of in between and, um, you know, the Power Ranger book certainly changed things for me, um, not only kind of like trajectory wise, as far as the types of stuff and stories I would I would continue to tell, obviously, with things like the Massiverse, but um, but also just kind of like with helping me to fall in love with superhero stories again. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt and Michael coming at this and explaining the fandom to me and talking about Rangers, something I loved growing up. So it was still very pure to me and to be able to come into this, which was in a lot of ways, you know, no disrespect to the show, but it was in a lot of ways, Virgin Snow to come in and be able to build out material in a format that um, you weren't limited by budget in the way the original show was and pre-existing footage and things like that. And so like, just being able to continue to talk with these guys, what started as a monthly thing and then just continued on from there. And, and as a like mind talking about often, wouldn't it be cool if, and then in this, a lot of cases, they were things that I was able to then go actually try to make happen. You know, um, the the short film that Melissa I don't know if it was on this podcast or the last one Melissa was talking about doing a the Lord Draken short film like that came out of you know I had an idea with JDF and and it was like okay well how do we actually do this you know the Shattered Grid live table read that was a Matter Michael idea and then we figured out well then how do we actually do it you know and when you're used to doing things and making things and finishing things and then you meet other people that are as committed to doing that exact thing as well, the finishing things part, um, and they're really good at what they do, then it just becomes, it's still a lot of work, but it becomes very fulfilling and fun because everything we're doing, we're really trying to you know, commit to the bit, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. um, but also take full advantage of not only the concept, but like what the state of superhero comics is. And like so much of what I love as a storyteller comes from not only superhero comics and and the ones I loved growing up, 
but also all the superhero media and in terms of the movies and the cartoons and, and things like that. And I was just talking about this a little while ago, but like I grew up, you know, the special features era of, of DVD sales and, and behind the scenes documentaries and viral marketing campaigns and things like that. And so when you're able to tie some of that stuff, which does or can feel like there's a little bit of magic in the world, when you can tie that to narrative, um, then you're doing something that is more encompassing. And I think that based on all the different skill sets that we all have, um, it's been cool to be able to kind of explore that those other, you know, mediums and territories um, and trying to make that kind of encompassing stuff for ourselves. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, th- I think it definitely comes across like that. And especially for what you've done for superhero comics now. I mean, it's just it's so refreshing to see. And then it really, like I say, it kind of spawned from Supermassive 2022. And then, I mean, how soon after that issue did the idea of doing a sequel come about and like the process behind that? It was pretty quickly. I think we keep working out when we started talking about it and then I keep forgetting. It was like a couple of, I, I think after we did that book, we were all like, so we're going to do another one of these, right? And then by a couple of months later we'd had like an official email going out that was hey everyone so let's start talking now when you were figuring that out where did that lead for each of your individual stories to be able to get to the point where you know uh 2023 started at like were you working your own narratives to eventually get to this point yeah that was um that was one of the big challenges with this uh this special was that we're all telling stories that are uh, by and large, uh, you know, uh, structured in similar amount of, you know, like six issue arcs, basically. Um, So that means we all are kind of ending arcs around the same time, uh, which makes scheduling a super massive really great. But it also means that we're going to, in this case, we're all entering really interesting new status quos at roughly the same time. So that meant having, though, to write this story far in advance of actually writing the issues that lead into the status quo um, to give Daniele enough time um, to draw what is essentially a 50-page blockbuster. Absolutely. And speaking of that, I mean, the book is out right now. It's a phenomenal read. Can we talk a little bit about what went into this issue? Like, what's the basic plot for it and who the major players are for this uh, go around for Supermassive? Sure, yeah. <coughs> Kyle, do you want to maybe start talking about the uh, Radiant Black side of things and everyone can talk about where their own guys are at? Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. When we meet Nathan and Marshall there, this is post-Radiant Black 24, so they know they have to make this choice. However the choice as to only one of them can be radiant black uh, before the start of the catalyst war. But at this point, there's still a little bit of denial there, particularly on the part of Marshall um, thinking that they'll, they'll figure out a clever solution out of this. And ultimately even maybe it's a magic solution. Um, and we say that because an offer comes uh, basically to their doorstep by way of rogue son who Ryan can pitch uh, where Rogue Sun's at here. Yeah, we when we first started talking about this, I knew that uh, I knew that the volume two was going to be about sort of uh, Dylan sort of stepping into becoming, you know, basically being a solo hero, trying to fill his father's fo- shoes and stuff. But I knew that I wanted to bring in um, like one of the since it's a legacy hero, I wanted to bring in one of the original Rogue Sons. And the idea was that we were like, I was like, well, let's bring the first one and make that a medieval Rogue Son. And when we did that, that started to that started to work into the story about okay, if we do that, maybe we can talk about some of the other characters and our legacy characters and get into the and flesh out the world and the universe of Mass Universe a little bit. So, but it was a really difficult one because I knew at the end of the series, at the end of my arc, that Caleb was going to take over Dylan's body and basically become sort of the new Rogue Sun, which made it really hard to pitch where my character was to people without spoiling the entire thing. Yeah. I think like Matt pointed out during one of my interviews, I'm like, well, you know, Dylan's just a very different person by the end of our run, not realizing that was literal. Um, but that's sort of where it said it, it provided an interesting thing because it brought us a lot of lore. It brought a, a character that could come in and then bring everybody together um, and yet be connecting both the past uh, past characters and the present characters. 
Um, so yeah, so coming into it, weirdly enough, Dylan has still not met any of the supermassive people after two crossovers, but hopefully maybe some down, down, down the line. Nice. Well, um, BB, you know, obviously just missed out on the first supermassive. So like how would freeze over before I let that happen again? <laughs> and, uh, and so for, um, for, for BB, it worked out pretty well that we were planning the end of volume one of the six issue arc. Uh, right around the time we were planning the the supermassive and so um it actually affected our plot because we were initially planning on on ending dead lucky a little differently and as we started talking about it it just made sense to put bb in a place where um to push up the timeline of her working for moro and um and ultimately the choice came uh for eddie to die because of supermassive because oh, wow. we needed BB to be in a particular place, and um, and it made sense for the story for that to be the reason, uh, and because we knew she had to lose somebody, and um, and it, for Eddie's arc when he felt alone and lost and left behind, and he took control of his own of, of his own narrative and lost his life in that way, it, it made sense for his arc to to end the way it did, but also knowing full well how that would affect BB, it would put her in the place that she needed to be in for Supermassive and also allow us to go into issue seven uh, with her uh, in a different space. And so we're kind of, when we end issue six and we start issue seven, there's a little bit of time. And we were able to time it, um, thanks to Michael and his incredible schedule, that um, when six, we end issue six, Supermassive happens and come back in issue seven, and there's a space where we ha she has not dealt with her grief and she hasn't really dealt with what it means to lose Eddie. And there's that opportunity there for Supermassive 2023. And so it just ended up working out perfectly for her um, to really just absorb that in a way that she can't with, um, you know, his ex-fiance and, you know, her new on and on, on again, off again girlfriend. Mm. And all these different baggage that exists in San Francisco, there's now a place that she can actually, you know, be with like-minded people and really think about uh, who she lost and what she would do to get it back. And of course, that heartbreaking narrative where she 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 can't, she just loses people, and they don't come back. And uh, so it worked out. I guess on the Inferno Go Red side of things, we because in the first Supermassive, we were seeing a bit of a preview of who Cassia would become. So. In relation to everything else, it was kind of a look into the future. We realized that if Cassia were to turn up in this one, that would probably place her even further ahead. And we're all very resistant to creating any sort of confusion in the universe. Um, like we don't want to have like a Fast and Furious situation where the timeline order is different to the release order and you have to sort of get charts out to explain everything. So we decided pretty early on that it might be better for Cassia to miss out on this one. And it also helped us out in a way, I think, because it helped us set the tone for Supermassives and explain to people that you can't expect to see the same characters in every one. It's going to be a little different every time, especially as the universe expands. It's just going to be whatever's right for the story. It's not going to be the same combinations of things over and over again. Uh, but we did have a space then in the narrative for a new character who could be something of an antagonist, potentially, initially, but then be brought more into the fold. And we needed to make sure that this character felt like they belonged in all of this and, and had some connections to our universe, or our universes even, uh, so that they didn't feel like they were just, you know, created for this event. They're an organic part of the universe. And also that they felt like they folded in thematically with what everybody else is going through. Uh, it just so happened that because of where all the stories were lining up, this story became about, as Melissa was alluding to, this idea of having to accept taking losses sometimes and dealing with grief and regret without it transforming you into something you don't want to become. Um, so we needed this character to sort of be able to fit into that story as well. So I took over the job of creating that character and leading that side of things uh with thomas and the new character right on uh with uh, this with the success of last year's story was there any additional pressure on uh making this year's super massive yeah i would say so i mean we talked quite a bit about this year's and what what genre we wanted to play in and how we wanted you know 
we, there, there are certain sequels that I won't name, but there are certain sequels that we all know that were, uh, shall we say, uh, super massively disappointing compared mm. to the original. And we didn't want to be one of those. Um, and at the same time, you know, we'd created a scenario with the status quos that it, uh, it is challenging to be accessible if you're not really careful in how you introduce everything and everyone. Um, but I could not be more proud of what we, you know, have put together with this one. So it just came about a little, it took a little longer to crack at the start. Um, it took a few calls before we, we landed on what would make sense and the vehicle to do it all through. Yeah, I mean, it definitely stepped up and it lived up to the expectation, I and mean, especially with Tomasin coming in and making an instant impact, uh, handling a rogue son right out the gate, um, which, uh, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> it was a really, really good fight that you didn't see. Like, it was so close. Like, it could have gone either way, honestly. I That, that was a big thing because, like I say, Tomasin comes in there, and, and by the time we see the fight, so, I mean, I believe you, there's got to be a, a prequel for Epic. this one. It's got to slide we in there. We should do a special one shot that's just the rest of that fight so that people can see just how, like, supermassive oh. 2023 zero. Yeah, love it. Ooh, it's like so a Deadpool 2 moment where, like, he comes back and he, like, wins the fight. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> and and just seeing the, the newest addition into the Massiverse and where the story goes, and the, and the story is so well done, too, and especially where it fits right now, the end of a lot of arcs, for the series now and it's almost like a phase two next wave because with everything coming out and especially with everything that you have for each book coming out in following this with the catalyst war and the new stack quotes for dead lucky and rogue son i mean this was kind of like almost like hitting the reset button and then here we go into what we have lined up yeah i think uh, like it's impossible to deny the influence of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2023, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in some ways, like, these are kind of like Avengers movies, right? Like, this is, let's see where everyone's at, let's throw them all together, and then let's throw them out of this, back into their own stuff, and let them get up to their own crazy adventures on their own. Absolutely. And speaking of those crazy adventures... We know that coming out of this, obviously, is a few big events, but I think the one that a lot of fans are really hyped up about right now is the Catalyst War, especially coming out of the big vote that's coming out. And we, can Kyle, can you talk a little bit about what we should be expecting with that? Um, a surprising good time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kyle, but the thing is, it's such a bad time for some of these people. <laughs> It's I think the, the readers will have a good time. Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It's been really fun to watch the vote in basically real time. Michael built the mechanism uh, on the site so that we can see it as it's been happening for the last couple weeks. We have, um, as we're recording this, we have uh, eight days left, I believe, uh, on the vote. So it'll be over... Uh, on uh well a week from tomorrow um but uh that is just basically the setup to what is the most narratively ambitious uh story i've ever uh ever tried to tell Ooh. so um we're going <laughs> ryan's shaking his head but you ryan you know all the moves so i i do and i i i'm terrified for for you and everyone else because I don't want to oversell it, but I also don't want to lie to people. So it's a really hard, it's a hard balancing act. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big story. Um, and I would also recommend that everyone who has plans to be at San Diego Comic-Con that is listening to this, definitely be on the lookout for our Massiverse panel, um, which will be the, actually Issue 25 comes out the the, um, the Wednesday of San Diego Comic-Con, and then we'll have a panel in there. Um, you know, we don't know the date yet, but we're going to have a lot to talk about at the panel in San Diego. Oh, very nice. I wish I could get out there for it. So is there any chance it'll be streaming or just got to kind of go off our favorite news sites for that one? 
Um, I don't know that it'll it'll be streaming. I'm looking into potentially. Um, I don't know if they'll let me, but potentially recording it. Um, maybe putting it out through our black market newsletter. Okay. Um, but um, if not, we'll do our best to like tweet and share all of the news that comes out. Okay. Yeah, there there should be some good news that comes out of it. Um, and uh, as far as the event, it, the event itself, yeah, we're this is a um, not only are we going to learn quite a bit of mythology about the Radiance and Catalyst, uh, the Machine Empire, and what they are and who leads them and where they come from, but also like what their deal is. Um, this is a story that is also designed to fundamentally challenge Radiant Black. And the vote that everyone is partaking in right now is to determine which Radiant Black Catalyst is going to fundamentally challenge. Oh, Oh wow! And from there, um, I can't say anything else. Okay. But, <laughs> but there's, there, there's stuff favorite... in here that Kyle pitched, and I tried to talk him out of it. It's oh man. <laughs> so my have, favorite thing have... is to go back and listen to this interview after you've read it, and that'll be even more fun. And Kyle knows what I mean by that. But like, there's just like, just come back and listen to what he said after you've read it, and. You know, it'll be great. The question is, Kyle, have you wrote, have you written both storylines just in case? Or, so whatever happens, happens. I, I figure yeah, we're, we're prepared for, we're prepared for yeah. both outcomes of the vote. Now, are we ready for like a Jason Todd, you know, skin your teeth kind of, you know, vote or? Well, that has been interesting. Um, Michael, you can talk about the data a little bit. Yeah, it's been, no one has ever had more than like, 58, 60% of the vote at any point. Wow. It's like at the moment, someone's in the lead, but it is certainly not a landslide. And yeah. uh, with a week left to go, like a strong surge of votes in one direction could still swing it either way. I, no, I, I can definitely see that because I it goes back and forth every day I see on social media, hashtag let Marshall cook. And <laughs> like that thing is now taken on storm. And it, it, it's and then it always gets responded with you know hashtag team Nathan. I mean it, it goes to show. I mean how much these characters co have connected. I mean the closest con relationship I could say with that is like Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner way back in the day with Green Lantern. That you have two characters that are different but have both won over the fan base so much that this was. I remember reading the issue and I'm going like how the heck do you choose? I mean for me it took me a couple seconds because I'm I'm a big team Nathan guy so. That it really didn't waste a lot of time for me, but like for a lot of fans, I could definitely see it going back and forth. It it's been pretty, um, it's been it's been very humbling and and um, fulfilling and surprising um, seeing how many people r writing like these very passionate uh, pieces on which character should be radiant black. Um, it's it's cool. I'm I'm glad. I mean, look, that was the goal. Um, this mm. is an idea that we've been building towards for two years now and from the get-go i mean that was always you know when when ryan and i both when we talked about early days of rogue sun and early days of radiant black like there was a football game that we were at and i remember sitting in the bleachers telling just kind of like broadly pitching like well a year one model and then like a year two model could be this and then like well that leads into like a year three type event and just to be now doing it um is very fulfilling um yeah i lost my train of thought a little bit but that beard of his is going to be white in a year <laughs> just like this i'm telling you it's coming enjoy it while it lasts my friend no it's just cool to see it's cool to see people that that's all i was trying to say is that we knew when we decided very early on that this would be something that i wanted to build to um it meant really you need to really make sure that you're doing a good job with each character mm -hmm. and making both nathan and marshall someone that you can root for um or see being radiant black because i i wanted this choice to be really hard for people definitely lived up to that too and then going to the next massive verse book that solicitations are saying that it's coming out june 7th has that changed for the dead lucky number seven it has. Hold on. I've got dates. Uh, okay. It'll be July 5th now. Okay. 
So Melissa, it was my birthday, and I was like, Michael, I absolutely refuse to write this script, and if it doesn't come out any other month, <laughs> that's exactly the reason. <laughs> Not at all, because I just was super slow and uh, and very overwhelmed. No, it's the birthday fun. thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, Melissa, can you talk about what we should be expecting now with BB post the Battle of San Francisco, and obviously in the new stack quo working for Morrow? Uh, yeah. Um, I think you should expect everything. I think. Um. I think there's there's a rebel expectation that you know that we very justifiably set up that she's going to go in and uh, take out Moro and blow it up from the inside, but I think um, the question then becomes you know after um, after a few months and Moro has had taken hold of, of San Francisco is whether or not people really want her to, uh, mm. and um, and a lot of it is going to be um, really focusing, finally um, focusing on on Bibi herself, and the origins of her powers, and um, and what they are. Especially with, um, I don't know if uh, people caught it in issue six, that when Eddie died, she didn't see him, and so um, she's going to be doing a lot of uh, inner exploration as to uh, why she can't see Eddie uh, when she can see other people. And um, and it's a different BB that you see uh, in one through six because she's back in her element. She is the director of special crimes for Morrow. And that means she's doing a lot of really cool, fun stuff with flashy toys. And when you're on special missions like that, it's very easy to ignore your inner trauma because you have a bigger purpose. And um, and so it's a lot of it, uh, her being forced to confront things that she necessarily didn't want to. Um, but I'm really excited about this arc. I think... Uh, you're um, going to see Georgia step up quite a bit, uh, who okay. uh, who had a minimal part, uh, but now that Eddie is gone, um, you see the the brand of the PR perspective of Moro in a different way, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Maria has a little bit of a different role. Um, you see a lot of the 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 one the the Salvation Gang people that you um, we saw glimpses of, like Winston, and um, and some of the Salvation Pete got gang people that were with her at the end of issue six you see them a little bit more so it's a lot of it's, a, it's establishing a new status quo in a really fun way that takes us into i hope a really satisfying arc for bb can't wait to check that out ryan so obviously another stat quo uh, another rogue son i want to say is this now the third one in 12 issues because we had marcus we had dylan and now caleb what can we be expecting now coming out of the new uh, switch up um well during that conversation i realized that that Melissa, you, uh, we should have a Rogue Sun Dead Lucky team up annual to call We See Dead People. We should just totally be doing that. <laughs> yes. I'm half kidding. Well, we'll see. Uh, but <laughs> can we get Haley um, Joel Osment? Yeah, exactly. It'll just make a camp. He'll do it. He'll do the audiobook version. Um, but... <laughs> I actually pitched uh, uh, Maria going over to New Orleans and changing jobs and being like, another one that sees ghosts? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, everybody in that town sees ghosts. Um, but yeah, coming out of uh, Rogue Sun, yeah, we obviously have a big a big shift in the status quo. Um, but it's the same kind of st- like it's the same if you go back to the beginning, right? It's still somebody in the in the Rogue Sun suit, but has like you know. So Dylan was in the Rogue Sun suit, and he had a dad who he hated standing over his shoulder. Now he gets to be the guy standing over the shoulder and kind of be- using his banter and annoyance to plague um, a 17th century knight in present day. Um, but uh, yeah, coming out, it'll be a new status quo with that. Um, we'll the new arc will probably dig into um some other rogue sons i don't think it's just gonna be just one i'd like to get a little more into the legacy of all that care of where that how long that's been around and the different people who've worn it and how that how they've been heroes and maybe not heroes um and then um what else uh we'll deal with um the first the first arc was about a uh, was a metaphor for a messy divorce, and the second one was about um, step parents, and the third one this this arc, uh, which we're calling Night Sun, right? That's what we're calling it right now. We'll just call yep. it that. Yeah, it is now. Um, <laughs> well, it, this one's more about family, both the family that uh, I mean, everybody thinks about family, but the family that you're born with and the family that you make along the way. So. Nice. Can't wait to see that. And Matt, I, I'm sure you get asked this a million times, but we got to ask you, what is next for Cassie Acosta? Well, uh, for the market, the next thing is that the trade of book one will be hitting shelves in just a couple of weeks. It looks amazing. Look so if you haven't read Photo, that is amazing. That. Expert yes. marketer. Not, not shameless. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you, 
if you haven't read Vertigo Red yet, absolutely grab that, check it out. Uh, as for what's next for Cassia, more soon uh, we have exciting plans, but <laughs> nothing that I can say right this second, unfortunately. Other than uh, Erica and Igor and I and Kyle and Michael and myself have uh, we've we've been talking, we've been talking, um, and we're excited. Nice. I, I think I get DM'd uh, probably the most about Inferno Girl Red and when she is coming back uh, on the show. Like we get hit up so much about that. So I know the fans are definitely excited for it. And if you have not picked it up yet, if go out and get the single issues right now, and then obviously get the trade paperback when it drops because it is definitely going to be worthwhile picking up. Rich, I know you had a question about sequels. No, I thought that Tom was going to take that one. Oh, oh no, Tom's just reading his notes. <laughs> no. You're, we're going into, like, my notes now. All right, awesome. Uh, will there be a Super uh, Massive 3? Or should I say 2024? I mean, if, if the story's there, right? Or if there's a 2024. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Could we see anything spawn from that, from what we just saw, possibly? I mean, all sorts of things can spawn from the story that we just told. Some of them might even be spawn. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe. Well, maybe. There's there's some thoughts. There's, there's potential. Thoughts. There's potential for everywhere. You're, the, the huge sandbox you guys are writing is just amazing, so trust me, it's there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think now... With the success of the two issues now, I, the fans well, let's are... See what, let's see what this one sells first, and then we'll... <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll talk. <laughs> Fair enough. But I, I just know going off the online success, I just with everybody raving about this, that the fans are definitely clamoring for that. And, I mean, the possibilities are endless what you guys could do with this. Oh, thank you. No, it is... Um, it is very creatively fulfilling um, to work with everyone on these. And... You know, they're now they've now become uh, fun little problems to crack uh, so far for the last two years, at least once a year uh, where we're it's like, how do we do a new one and how do we do it in a contained way that's still pushing our narratives of our main books forward, but is also, you know, contained and standalone enough for new readers. And um, how do we not repeat ourselves from the, the one before? So those are all the factors that go into um, what another one would look like if we did it. And uh, but yeah, personally, I would love to do another one. That's that's where my vote is is lying. Um, it's a it's I think it's a fun format, and I think in the way that we have built the books to stand alone um, and be accessible in their own ways uh, that way. Um, this is a really fun kind of feature that uh, we've built into kind of like the publishing DNA to allow us to have those kind of crossover adventures, um, but just in a very kind of, you know, planned way. <clears throat> yeah, because I, I think that's just it's such another, you know, feather in the cap for what you would you do with the Massiverse is just when you see these crossovers, it it feels like an event. It's like it doesn't feel like an issue. I mean, I might sound cliche to say, but it's like when we finally see because there's not a team book out in the Massiverse. But when you see these characters get together, we know it's something special. We know it's going to be something memorable. And obviously with this issue and this, especially with a few of the surprises that are in and I don't want to spoil them because I'm stressing to everybody if you haven't gone to your local comic shop to go buy this you need to go immediately after you hear this episode or watch this episode and buy two copies literally you're gonna you're going to need to do this but with that said it's just now you have so many fans that are asking for different team-ups and different mix-ups is there any chance that you would ever mix up and do maybe one based on all the bad guys per se sure there's yeah. a story <laughs> like do one like yeah, i think the, the goal for us is always that like it has to come out of a story that we're excited about. So if someone came up with something and was like, I think if this person met this person, met this person, here's something cool. And we all go, yep. Then yeah, maybe. Ah, fair yeah, enough. I want to like where, because of the flexibility afforded to us by image and, and doing things in this way, we're always very open to and looking for different ways of combining things and telling stories and, and new formats to give people these experiences in different ways. So, uh, yeah, I think like we always want to be surprising people. And, and that comes down to the next time you get a hit 
or something in this sort of way, maybe it's not like the way you got it last time. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, when we talked at uh, C2E2, we were talking about um, ways to expand the universe into interesting ways. And I remember Kyle was super generous and let me shift, who is very much a villain mm -hmm. in Radiant Black. But when he was in The Dead Lucky, he was actually an ally for BB and more of a, because um, she had no content, con concept of what he was doing in Chicago, which she just knew what he was there do for her right and i think that's what's really interesting about these characters and even about the villains is that you know the nuance to them allows them to be played with different ways like you know i i don't think bb aside from being mad that he walked out on her i don't think bb <laughs> sees shift as necessarily like a villain i think she sees him as a mercenary and a tool to be used when she needs him and so um so even like a story with all villains like who's to say one of them isn't actually <laughs> going to be a hero by the end of it depending on what they're going for and what they're doing and i think that's what's really fun about it absolutely with con seasons coming up uh we you already mentioned about san diego is there any other ones that everybody will be attending and is new york comic-con on that list um i kyle we're both gonna be at boston correct we are we're both gonna be at boston i'll be at san diego and raleigh and beer city comic-con if i go to miami where's B oh. city is that the I, real name of the city? If I make it out of Beer City alive and sober, <laughs> I will then be New York. Uh, yes. Kyle and also doing um, Chicago at the uh, Library Association conference. Yeah. At the end. We're meeting with the librarians. Nice. My heroes. I, um, it's our hope for Erica, Igor, and myself to all be at New York Comic Con this year. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen for me personally. I'm trying to to make that happen, but I will say it's my intention. Um, I've never been to the city of New York in my life, so that would that'd be a cool thing for me to do. Uh, and I'd love to see people there. So he's hoping. I am also hoping to be there on account of it sounds like everybody else in comics is going to be there, and I would like to meet them. Yeah, I kind of feel like I have to go now, even though I have absolutely nothing to do there. I'm just going to show up. And be like the person no one invited. And like, um, Miss Ida, I'm not sure if you know, you write a creator and comic series at Image Comics called The Dead Lucky. It's uh, <laughs> quite good and popular. I'm sure people would love to see you. Yeah, Missy, I'll invite you to New York Comic Con. There you go. Now you've been invited. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wait, is that how it works? It's no. like a vampire. <laughs> yeah, it's like a vampire. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys, Matt, you, tell them, me. you could tell them that you the know, oversized guy with the beard invited you. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I'll invite and then they can just come to me. I'll just be like, ah, yeah, they're all invited. Absolutely. Set them up. So before we let you go, uh, we have to ask, you know, kind of a little non-comic question, but since Supermassive 2023 is a sequel to Supermassive 2022, what is everybody's favorite sequel of all time? Oh, wow. Can I? Oh, okay. Wow. I, I'm going to, I'm going to start and I'm going to cheat. <laughs> okay. Based based on what I am hearing about across the Spider Verse this week, yes, uh, it's it sounds like it's it be will own. be my favorite sequel. Yeah, a lot of good buzz about that one coming out. Yeah, Oppenheimer two is going to be fantastic. Make the really <laughs> amazing film. You know, I've always I've said Baz Luhrmann should make Elvis two. Like I know Elvis died, but most movies are pretend. So just make up stuff that happened next. Especially his. I, I'm going to go video game. Um, I, although technically this is a trilogy, but um, Red Dead Redemption. Yep. Ooh. Excellent choice. Well, I'm going to uh, jump on that bandwagon and choose a video game as well then and say Mass Effect 2. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. No pressure, Ryan. You're bringing it on. Better than mine. Damn it. Oh, I, I actually have to come up with one. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, man. My favorite sequel of all time. Return to Oz. <laughs> the freaking wheelers on yes. that movie scared me for years and the <laughs> moment they go in and try to have to steal the um when dorothy has to steal the vial off of the the headless witches like in her bedroom in Mommy, the middle of yeah. that and with all the heads staring at her like that's a terrifying movie if you have not seen return to oz i highly recommend it, it it'll change the way you look at wizard of oz pure nightmare fuel i will say that and also on top of that it proves my point that all of us who are, uh, you know, at least elder millennials and older, mm -hmm. we grew up on kids' movies that were made to terrify everybody. And that's I'm great. I'm going to go with, 
I'm gonna go with Giver Dark Hero. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well Takes played. Me back to early '90s sci-fi channel when they actually spelled sci-fi. Yeah. Solid Snake. Solid Snake is Giver. Um, you know that, that this is a tough one. Um, I. Ooh, man. <clears throat> Pitch Perfect Two. <laughs> no. Okay. Go with that. Oh, sure. oh, I have a film. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Three. The best no, film. Matt. Matt. This is the one where they go back to Japan, right? Yes. Yeah, Matt. that's right. You're talking about the best film. Yeah. Matt is bad. Is bad. It's the Matt. Best, the best. Matt, do you I remember that the... Matt it got Oscar snubbed and I've never never gotten that. <laughs> but the only Matt, thing do you remember that there's a part in it that's a reference to a cross media promotion that they didn't do but they kept it in the movie anyway? I did, yeah. Yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan of all of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think what I, I would probably probably have to go with, uh, I just saw it at an Academy screening the other night, uh, again, but uh, The Dark Knight, like I hadn't seen it yeah. in like five or six years. And man, it's it's pretty strong. And you know what's good. crazy about it too is I went through a period, I, I watched it, the last time I saw it, I remember feeling what, I had heard, you know, in years since it came out, people talk about about it being like a kind of a product of its uh, Bush era kind of uh, time. Um, but watching it again, and I felt that, you know, whenever I last saw it, but watching it again now, it felt incredibly timely again with so much of what's going on in the world in different ways um, and talking about perception and and creating myth and and uh media and and just yeah yeah it's uh it, it's it's a strong one i do hear jonah nolan's a fan of rogue son if only there was proof of this oh yeah if there was we definitely put it on the front cover of some sort of comic book well before ken wraps it up and asks the final question i would i have to i would kick uh, padawan jay who usually is on the odph podcast I'm filling in for. He would really like kick me in the ass if I did not ask Ryan. You know Ken's a diehard Buffalo Bills. Man, fan. you had to go oh, there. You're a Miami. You Dolphins had to fan. go there. Can 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 you tell him what he should expect this year from the Miami Dolphins? Do <laughs> <laughs> you expect know, things from them? It's, ooh, all right. I was gonna be nice, but now it's gonna be exactly what happened. <laughs> see, I see. To Miami, where it's nice and warm. See, I was waiting for you to say your favorite sequel was the Bills losing four Super Bowls. Like I was uh, waiting on that for more. I don't even need to be here. I <laughs> see. I was waiting on it because I was like, okay, if we're gonna start talking football, I was I was holding back because you. You know what's going to happen when we start talking football. Well, I understand this, but I know Pad would be mad at me if I didn't ask. He's a Patriots fan, too. Of all I know. People. It's terrible. Yeah, he, he, yeah he, I know. That's why I try to tell him. Like, yeah. Yeah, he should just jump ship. Brady's gone. They'll be, you know, look the, you know, any wiser to him. Nope. He's still sitting there trying to stir the pot. Here's the best I comment I can give. The, the jump off ship. Yeah. I'm going to say this. The best comment I can give you is, as a Dolphins fan, I can admit that Josh Allen is amazing. So that's the best thing I can say. I appreciate it. Is but... he a dolphin? No, he plays for the Bills. He's really, really good. Okay. Yeah, but like I say, between our teams, I, I, yeah, because I we can go on that full football rant between Buffalo and Miami. I think we're going to both have good seasons. If two is back a hundred percent, that season last year is a whole different ball of wax. And I'm not even yeah. worried about Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. That's that's an afterthought. Wait, Buffalo don't have bills. They're like cows. <laughs> <laughs> that's Philadelphia, I, I, Philadelphia I doesn't have Eagles, Eagles, but we have that team. The, the Bills fans jump through tables. I mean, we're not the smartest people in the world. The football team? <laughs> Maybe. Bill. Okay. Yeah, it's the singular version. Weed. Weed country. <laughs> American football is, a, is, is, is an interesting experience, especially if hey, you... Hey, I've learned... Speaking of weird country, I've learned all about... I'm, I'm a happy little Vegemite, so don't tell me about weird country. <laughs> Oh no, I don't like it when you have ammunition to return fire. <laughs> oh man. Hey, you never know where you get sports teams here. Listen, there's no lakes in LA, but they have the LA Lakers. Reasons. <laughs> That's a fantastic point. I yeah. like the one that oh, there's no uh, YouTube. 
Minnesota. Hold on, they yeah. started in Minnesota. Well, yeah, Minneapolis. Yeah, they were right. the Minneapolis yeah. Lakers. Yeah, but, but they didn't the move Jazz the moved to Utah where they <laughs> don't allow music. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah, because music leads to handholding, and handholding <laughs> leads to yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, we're not going to go any deeper than that, or else no. I have to get Diesel out here for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're not behind a Patreon wall, so. But we'll just kind of wrap things up. Super massive 2023 is in stores. Final pitch. If somebody's listening to this for the first time, somebody is watching this on Nerd Initiative for the first time, hearing about this book, why should they go out, in your words, to go get this book? If you love fun, optimistic superhero stories with a ton of heart and all the funny, like Into the Spider-Verse and presumably the upcoming greatest sequel ever, Across the Mm Spider-Verse, Then Supermassive 2022 and 2023, this year's, are very much for you. Absolutely. Can't stress it enough. If you don't have this book in your collection, and note, I have two because it's that damn good. You need to run out and you need to go pick it up at your local comic shops along with Inferno Go Red, along with Rogue Sun, The Dead Lucky, Radiant Pink, which is out. The finale is there this week, too. So we definitely want to plug that. Is Matchel shipping now? After that issue, I mean, I ship it. I, I, I can only hope other people do as well. I saw a couple I posts online. Yeah. Did you just call it? Did you just call it Madshul? I saw it. Yeah. He coined it. That's a thing now. Yeah, I've been seeing that pickup steam online. Would it be so. Mashi? Wouldn't that be better? I mean, maybe Gosh. it could be. <laughs> we need a vote. Yeah, that might have another vote. That might Very be the. All vote. right, I'll build the website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to do uh, also last thing, a uh, shout out to Daniele Di Nicolo and Walter Bayamonte and yes. Becky Care, who yes. drew, colored, and lettered this fifty page behemoth. And uh, uh, God, it, it was so awesome to work with uh, Daniele and Walter again. And um, I think they delivered something that is visually unlike any other superhero book on the stands right now. Absolutely. Like I say, you need to pick up all these books. Radiant Black, if you haven't voted yet, make sure you go make the vote happen. Team Nathan, Team Marshall, whatever you're choosing. And you also want to make sure you're picking up No One as well. And the podcast, too. There's so much amazing things coming out from the Black Market Narrative team. If you're a comic book fan, you need to have it in your collection. And you need to make it a monthly, weekly thing. I'm telling you, if you're not, if you're not picking it up, you're completely missing out. So that said, I want to thank my panel that joined us here as well. Rich from 3FN. Thank you so much for having me. Tom from Off the Cuff with Tom. Ken, always a pleasure. Thank you so much and be excellent to each other. And of course, thank you to our guests, Matt Groom, Michael Basiddle, Melissa Flores, Ryan Parrott, and Kyle Higgins. Thank you for checking out this special edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Go by Supermassive. We'll see you next time. Such waste of time, swiping left and swiping right on people you could know. Cause anyone who's worth a damn be worth way more than a picture could ever show. You can find the right light, find the right angle, and never find your soul. And it can feel like a losing battle, and this plot is full of holes. This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up time fables everyone has just one true love all i know is you're across this table and you're all i'm thinking of so look up talk to me
swiping left and swiping right on people you could know. Whoa.